Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Greetings, Courageitarians. Today's review comes to us from Colleen on Instagram. She says, I am thoroughly enjoying your podcast. When the sun is out, I put in my AirPod, put my AirPods in, go outside and walk as I listen. I almost have your introduction memorized. Getting dirty. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much, Colleen. Thank you, Colleen, for taking us on your walks. It's pretty awesome. It is. So today's topic um, is getting uncomfortable, why it's important to participate in difficult discussions. So this may weed off in a couple of different places, but let's start with, um, I'm really super excited to have this episode. And to be honest, there's a little apprehension too. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot, Kim, as like cisgendered white women in our 30s and 40s, I've seen lots of backlash on what we, I say in quotes, have to say about difficult topics because, you know, we're directly adjacent to the white male that has, has held the majority of control throughout modern civilization. And difficult conversations have to involve first and foremost kind of acknowledging that. So I get it. I think we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, Warning to our listeners, this episode may seem political. It's not meant to be political. Um, You see, especially in recent times, topics of gender, race, and sexuality, and even religion have become politics. The idea of some people having more or less rights than others is politics. For some, the mention of the word inclusiveness might have some reservations about listening. And there was probably a time in my life when I would have said, well, then I guess this isn't for you and go ahead and turn it off. And I'm sure there are still a few that I would say that to, but I implore those listening who might have a gut instinct maybe to hit delete just because we're mentioning um, maybe taboo, not taboo, but It's not even taboo. It's just polarizing topics because of our climate right now. Um, I hope that you just give us a chance and keep listening and allow allow yourself to indulge in a little curiosity. So preaching to the choir can be fun and we're all really guilty of it. So, you know, who we hang out with, who reads and likes our Facebook status. We all stand in the same circles, but what good does it do? So what I'm asking and and what this whole topic is about is kind of getting uncomfortable, being uncomfortable in conversations, having them not just to voice your opinions, but to listen to the opinions of others. So the fact is, is that um, we, Tanya and Kimberly, as podcasters and practitioners, strive to be inclusive to all races, genders, cultures, religions, etc. Um, 
And that already says something about us to others. Hopefully it sends the message that we're open-minded allies, but it doesn't mean that we don't come to this rationale without many things to learn. Um, Because we're still coming to the table with our own implicit bias. So I think it's really important that we mention that just right up front, that we're not just a couple of um, middle-aged white ladies cackling about, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know, how everything is some 80s song with all the different stars in it yeah (laughs) Um, I I think it's bigger than that I know and I mean you and I have talked about this as being cis uh, white females that you know do we just stay away from certain topics or do we talk about topics and you know we're not an expert in all these uncomfortable topics but the more that I put myself out there to talk to other human beings about them, the more that I learn, the more my um, kind of umbrella of knowledge is uh, expanded. And it, it ends up being, even though it's, you know, if I check in with my body, I'm like, oh, I'm getting tense or, oh, I noticed my jaw tensed or, you know, mm-hmm. or I noticed that perhaps I'm, you know, biting my tongue a little bit, you know, it's still a conversation and it's still practicing civility. Um and I think that needs to happen for us to continue to grow. Absolutely. I, I, think, I think all the way around. Um, I think we need to have more conversations with people who we do feel like we align with. I think that's where we find strength. And um, when things seem you know, difficult or depressing or scary. But I also think it's really important that you know, I don't believe that the world is as polarizing as it's depicted to be. I don't think that the lines are as hardly drawn as they seem to be. Um, because in real life, people don't speak in sarcastic memes. <laughs> so in real life, I think that you know, when you have a dialogue or a conversation with somebody about a difficult topic, like I, I really think that that's what's missing. And it's not like who can argue better or who can yell louder. It's like having a real dialogue and a real conversation. Why do you think that way? Um, You know, what do you mean by that? And I think that even the most open-minded people have a lot to learn all the way around from people who are just different from them. Yeah. And maybe I'm old school. Uh, but I prefer to have those conversations face to face. Like I don't think mm-hmm. text and social media and emails are the place to really have those conversations mm-hmm. because you can't, you can't really, a lot of your story ends up being, uh, and your biases and ends up being filled into the cracks versus having a give and take conversation where you can clarify intentions and hear intonations and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think particularly, you know, part of the reason why there can be a divide when it comes to um, gender and race and, and cultures, sometimes um, I think for ourselves who consider us to be, you know, very inclusionary in our field and what we do, I think that we do put ourselves out there more to meet and expose ourselves to people different than us. Like, I think that that's a goal that, that we have. 
that it's very interesting to us to, to um, learn about other people's cultures or to meet new people that don't necessarily, you know, look like us or to learn about somebody else's religion that doesn't fall into what we were, what we grew up around. Um, and I think sometimes those, those hard lines or what seem like those hard lines are just people don't know other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like people might not know people with other sexual orientations, or maybe they don't think that they know <laughs> other people of different sexual orientations, or maybe they don't, they don't ever step outside of the comfort zone of their um, religion or culture to see or meet others. Um, and I think that that contributes maybe to that uh, keeping things separate. You know what I mean? Like that divide. So yeah, I, I, I think the internet, you know, is, it, it can be a, div, you know, divide like, like finds like, but it also, mm-hmm. you know, if you could think back pre-internet, your, your growth and in the ability to broaden your perspectives or your lens was as big as what your community and what you resided in was. Right. And now you can really, you know, learn and grow and understand different cultures and genders and race perspectives um, through the internet highway. Right. Sure. I, I think, but I think what comes from that is, is the willingness to have the open mind to do that. Um, and that's where I think one-on-one personal relationships are quite different because I think that if you are exposed to, and you do know people that are different from you, it's a little bit easier to, um, to step outside of your box. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like if you meet Mm -hmm. people that are different than you, you have that personal connection. I think it's very much, you know, more available. Um, but I just don't think that that connection is there as much. So part of the reason why Kim and I wanted to talk about this is because it is important to have these conversations. Um, you know, <laughs> we were talking about, you know, family members, for example. So I feel like there's a scale that is related to how old you are (laughs) as to whether or not you can kind of get away with saying inappropriate things. So grandpa, great grandpa in his nineties says something sexist or racist or um, homophobic. And there's, there's definitely the, Oh man, like that's not appropriate, but there's also the, uh, how much time do they really have to change? Are they really going to change their minds? Are they really going to um, view this from a different perspective? And you can almost kind of be like, oh, well, that's old, old great grandpa. And he's, you know, going to go to his grave, a racist or <laughs> whatever it is. And that's really unfortunate and sad. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that his level, whatever it is, you know, misogyny, whatever it is. I don't think that there's a chance for dialogue with that. And we can kind of just out of politeness, shrug that one off. (laughs) But I think anybody under the age of 80, (laughs) like there's a real opportunity there to have some conversation 
questions and to open some minds and to have that dialogue. Well, why do you feel that way? You know, so when it is Aunt Sally or Uncle Bob at the Thanksgiving dinner table who says something, you know, that might be an opportunity if if you can do it without um, argument because it's not about winning arguments. It's not about who has who can speak louder, who has the better argument, but just have a real dialogue. Uh, well, what did you mean by that comment? <laughs> you know, just asking questions. Yeah, and you know, sometimes when you get in those conversations, you hear people say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. But really that shut the conversation down right. and it didn't allow, you know, for deeper learning. And, you know, I struggle... Uh, with learning different uh, gender categories. Mm-hmm. Be at, uh, you know, we both have a mutual friend who's really great at it. And mm-hmm. uh, last time uh, her and I were together, you know, I said, hey, I'm improving. I'm learning and I'm improving. She's like, great, let's practice. So she would give me different scenarios and mm-hmm. um, I would say what I thought, right? It would be, mm-hmm. and then she'd be, you know, she'd point out, notice your bias here, notice your bias there. And so, you know, it was uncomfortable, but it was also a safe place for me to grow and to continue my learning um, to growth. And, you know, one time I think I was going home and I was really nervous about it. And you had said this really great thing. And you said, just think about um, your family didn't get the latest download, the latest software software update. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they're still running on Windows 95. <laughs> right. And that was so great because sometimes I'd hear something, I'd go to, I'd go to crazy. I'd be like, okay, they didn't get the latest software update and you know, here's an opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and to accept too that I think for most people, um, if you're willing to be open and honest about um, your faux pas or slip up like you were talking about you know gender pronouns for example um and I remember being um I was at a really really fun event I was at a drag queen bingo event and I used he and uh, being a drag it was definitely she and I was corrected but and I felt foolish for a moment because I'm like duh I should have known that but at the same time, <laughs> I also was just like, oh, sorry. And it was let go and I was corrected. So it was, it was a safe place for me to move forward in that space. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think, I think as long as you're trying, um, you know, same thing with, um, you know, I have friends of different races and ethnic backgrounds. I think if there's a, an earnest desire to kind of understand or to learn then that's seen as very different and even our implicit biases can be pointed out kindly um if if you have that uh air that you're you're kind of open to learning and changing like you said you were yeah i think that's where it comes like self-study and self-inquiry within yourself Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I hit those certain subjects, even if I'm with a client, you know, I say, look, this is my intention. And if you are willing to work with me, I'm willing to work with you. However, if I say something incorrectly, 
that is offensive, I give them permission to stop me in the moment and correct me. And so that's also a way for me to kind of grow and for them to also have a safe space um, and also to practice their language. Um, Because perhaps not everyone even does the self-inquiry and knows that they're doing it. So then it gives them kind of a voice to practice. How would I say something to someone that's offending me? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we are being, you know, of, of middle age, we're of a particular age. So, um, and I can speak to this, you know, um, there are things that are thrown around that, um, you know, oftentimes you might be in conversation and something could be sexist and offensive. And I've even done it, you know, with my own dad, you know, he'd say something inappropriate, not meaning to be, but again, he didn't get the software update. So, you know, he makes a comment about uh, whatever, something, something mildly sexist, whatever, you know, I'll take him to get his uh, um, massage. My dad has memory issues, so he doesn't remember, which is kind of good and kind of bad in some ways. But, you know, he'll be like, well, is she cute? Meeting the massage therapist, <laughs> you know, and, and there's kind of a, what difference does that make? <laughs> you know, and, and there's a little bit of, uh, it's a pretty benign um, example that I'm using, but, you know, I'm always like, well, it shouldn't matter you know, what she looks like. And I know that he is harmless in that thing, but he's just trying to crack a joke that maybe isn't as funny as it would have been 20 years ago. And at the same time, I find myself falling into tropes and putting up with certain levels of misogyny or sexist remarks that I think women younger than me would recognize and notice much faster. Do you know what I mean? Because we've put up with a certain level of misogyny and sexism for so long that we don't even notice that these are inappropriate things (laughs) Um, because we put up with it for so long. And then there's, you know, there's a younger woman behind us saying, um, no, that's not okay. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that there was anything wrong with that. You're right. That's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're kind of learning on a level. So, you know, there's even software updates that, that I don't get all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And I like having conversations with younger generations and hearing their perspective on certain things because, you know, learning goes both ways. I I always think that every judgment should end with a question mark. And if you catch yourself making a judgment, end it with a question mark. It's a place for you to explore. I like that. And, you know, the, to, to piggyback on that, thinking about, I think I shared this with you the other day, this really awesome, um, it's, it's not technically a quote, but I was listening to a different podcast and, and Sarah Silverman, um, one of my favorite ladies of all time, she's a comedian. And she was like, you know, if you don't look back at old stuff and cringe, you're not necessarily growing. And I really liked that because it's like, oh yeah, we've all said dumb stuff. We've all made little mistakes. We've all found some growth. You know, we've all said the stupid joke or we've all laughed at the wrong thing or we've all made even, you know what I mean? We've all made fun of something that now it's like, oh, that's not even cool. Why did I say that or do that? Or, um, 
it's all a matter of we're all growing. And so we're all growing at different paces. And this is where having difficult discussions with people who maybe didn't get the software update and helping them a little bit is important. Having conversations with people different than you are important so we can learn and grow. I think one of the things that we both agree on, you and I both agree on, is inclusiveness and trying to, I think we definitely um, possess the quality of being open and accepting to everybody. And then at the same time, um, when we're triggered <laughs> by somebody <laughs> who's negative, then we, we also instantly throw up our armor and we want it to be, you know, a, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Like then that becomes a, oh, well, we're inclusive to everybody, but not you because you're a jerk, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And when in reality, I think that sometimes um, even having compassion for the quote unquote jerks is part of our, what our work is. So there's two things with that. So Dr. Gail Parker, who I hope to someday, she's on our wish list to someday have on her podcast um, to talk about, she specifically talks about um, racism. But, you know, in one of her lectures, she said, um, when you find yourself triggered, 10% of it is what the other person said, and 90% of it is you. Like, why, why are you responding to that? What work haven't you done? What work can you do? Um, in how or why that triggered you. And I find that to be really, really powerful. And so when it comes to whoever it is that's the jerk or the racist or the sexist, the misogynist or the bigot, then comes compassion but there's a difference between compassion and sympathy right so you can have compassion for someone and where they came from if they grew up in a certain way and they were raised that way how are they going to see anything different you know if people were raised with hate or violence um then they're probably gonna have hate and violence um so they're, because they're human and that's, that's how they were raised. It doesn't mean that the, their practices, it doesn't mean that I'm sympathetic to the things that they're choosing to do. So when Westboro Baptist Church um, came to my town to protest a transgender homecoming king, um, you know, I had to look at these people who have these giant signs that say God hates fags and have compassion for them because they don't know any better because they are raised in this, you know, the young people, children, um, are raised and indoctrinated with this hate, but also not having sympathy for the choice that they're making. Like they're obviously making a choice to make a big deal and um, to, to have that hatred. So there is a choice to do what they're doing. They're out there protesting. There is that choice. So to have the compassion for them is a huge that they um, 
they came into it however they came into it, but not having sympathy for their cause. If that, does that make sense? It does. I mean, it, you know, whenever we're forcing our opinion on someone, it's rarely successful. And right. so I think, I think you can always ask yourself if you're really right. You know, are you sure that you know what is best? Are you sure the other person is wrong? And even if you think you're right, you can still wonder to what extent um, you're guilty of the same behavior you're accusing the other person of. Yeah. Yeah, big time. What is that they say every time when you when you point your finger outward? Then yeah, there's four other fingers, three other fingers? I just pointed other, and looked yeah, down at my three, <laughs> three other fingers pointing back at you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so I mean, there, you know, if we if we that. want world peace, if we want gender equality, if we want, um, you know, a race racism free society, whatever you want to put in there as your difficult subject, um, you know, it starts with you. It starts mm-hmm. with you you doing self inquiry, um, you looking um, at yourself, and kind of uh, knowing your own business and mm-hmm. your own biases. Mm-hmm. And being open to learning more. I think, yeah. you know, we, we both did that. You uh, presented because you did um, Dr. Parker's, one of her um, online seminars, right? Yes. Yeah. And you and I both took a Harvard um, and I don't have my results right in front of me, but it was a Harvard racism test, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was your, your level of racism and where you were. And, and then it gave you a little explanation on the spectrum as to if you were mildly or moderately or whatever, and then why those biases might be there and yeah. that it goes both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting to take that test and to look at, you know, I'm moderately racism, you know, racist, and then you know, looking at what does that mean and, and looking back at, you know, how was I raised? What's my intention? But once you know your bias, then you can start to work on that. You mm-hmm. can, you know, own it and you can be kind. And then you can see, you know, what do I really want to contribute to the world and how do I want to show up? And this is my starting point. We all have a starting point to work from. Mm-hmm. No, and I love that. And, you know, when it comes to different topics, it's interesting to see the different, um, the different areas. So racism, you know, to a certain extent, there's, there's what you grew up with. And then there's a difference between, you know, um, uh, mine was slightly less, but mm-hmm. I grew up in a very urban um, area and you grew up in a very rural area. Right. So yeah. Completely just different exposure wise, yeah. right, just exposure yeah. wise. Then if you don't, if you have less exposure throughout your history, regardless of what exposure you have now, if you have less exposure throughout your history, um, then you may have different biases just based on things that you didn't even know you <laughs> and picking up on, you know, of, of, you know, maybe, you know, being apprehensive about someone who looks different than you. And when you're a child and you don't see anyone that looks different than you, then, you know, when that starts to happen later, there's more apprehensiveness than if you grew up in a, you know, where I grew up when I was a small child, then I was of the minority in my community. So it was really very different in that way. 
Um, so it's just interesting to see how you're shaped in different ways. And then at the same time, you and I both grew up, and I'm only going to touch on this just a tab, um, but you know, you and I both grew up with Christian backgrounds, and that it's interesting now that we almost have a bias that goes the opposite way, that we're much more open to other religions and Christianity <laughs> is kind of something that we're like, oh, well, I don't know if I, you know, that makes me feel a little um, itchy, scratchy, you know, and what's that tied to and why is that? And culturally, um, I think it's because there's a big distinction and there's a there's a growing trend in different sects of Christianity that may come across as um, racist, definitely come across as homophobic, definitely, you know what I mean, come across as, you know, anti-other religions. And that's not how we are. So then there's a bristle at something that we have a great familiarity with. And so I think that that's really interesting. That, and, I, and I really have enjoyed exploring that more yeah like recognizing that uh that we're triggered by that yeah 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 and being triggered by something that you were exposed to (laughs) a lot versus something that you weren't exposed to a lot so it goes both ways um I have a very very dear friend of mine I remember having a conversation with her um several years ago and um and I'm going to use a word that could be triggering to some of our listeners and I'm going to apologize ahead of time um but I had made a comment about um, being a feminist. And she said, oh, but you're not a feminist. You don't hate men. And I was like, no, I don't hate men. (laughs) Yes, I am a feminist because those are two different things. And I think that sometimes it's just the interpretation and some words get a really dirty interpretation and I was not aware of this so I was not aware of her belief I didn't know this I didn't know that there are people out there who use that word and they think that that word uh, means that you hate men and that you have some agenda to like ruin men I had no idea that that was you know I was like no I'm a feminist meaning I support equality between women and men like feminist means you know equality I absolutely love, I adore that there are differences between men and women. I do not deny those differences. (laughs) I do not (laughs) think that we are the same um, physically, genetically, emotionally, spiritually. I think that there is a yin and a yang and a male and a female, and there are varying degrees of both in everyone and everything. Um. But to me, a feminist just meant somebody who supported equal rights for equal, for everybody. That's, that's what it meant to me and to her. So then that shifted my paradigm in knowing that there was this whole other community um, who didn't believe, didn't have the same definition of that word that I did. And in return, it shifted her paradigm in... Um, accepting and calling herself a feminist <laughs> because she realized it didn't necessarily it, it didn't mean not it doesn't necessarily mean it didn't mean <laughs> that you hate men because it doesn't that word doesn't mean that you hate men but there's a belief out there a perpetual um 
a myth that's been perpetuated that it means that you hate men, right? Yeah, I mean, you mean I think it's probably clear to all our listeners, and I know it's clear to you by now, that I grew up in a really conservative family. And so I grew up with the word feminism is bad. It's not something you ever want to be. Right. And then being in grad school with you and our friend Mary, you know, I hear you talking about feminism and women's rights. And so it really broadened my definition of what that could be. And I knew that I was behind in the knowledge that you both had. And so after grad school, I had set myself um, up and I said, you know what, I'm going to learn more about um, women's rights because I am passionate about that. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to get feminist books. I went to Ann Arbor, which is a little more liberal right, community in our area. And I walked into my favorite bookstore there and bam, I got my four books and um, I'm going to open this up in my studio as a free event. And I called it feminist. Well, I didn't realize how charged that word was even mm -hmm. for females. It is. Yeah. And so the next year I, you know, talked to my local bookstore uh, that had worked with me and partnered with me on this event. And I said, uh, hey, there's only about five people coming. I want to grow that number. I want a safe place for females to come and, you know, be able to talk about female issues. She said, you do realize we're in a conservative town, right? You might need to change the name. So then I went to Mindfulness Women's Book Club. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know... In doing that, so I'm maybe eight books in, so still kind of new on the feminist journey. But one of the things that we did with our book that we read in the first quarter was, can privileged women really hear women's rights are human's rights? Mm -hmm. Because things are very different for someone that is um, same sex, a different gender, a different mm -hmm. race, um, mm -hmm. you know, but yet whether the, if you have a disability, right? All these mm -hmm. things are still part of feminism. Mm -hmm. They still fall in there. And sometimes I wonder if the definition has become too narrow. And, you know, how do we look at this as really uh, humanity? Right, right. And that's where to me and the way that I grew up and it, and the way that I translated and the definition of feminist for me was equality. And that's, that's to me what that means. And I see that as not just equality between men and women, although, you know, that is, you know, feminist. So you've got the, you know, feminine in there, um, but equality amongst everyone, you know, and that, and that it does look different for people of, um, people of color, uh, people with disabilities, uh, people, uh, gender equality. And I think that the, the, it's really important that, uh, being a heterosexual white lady, I am very, I'm more than happy not only to have these conversations and ally, but I'm also more than happy to step back. If a person of color, a person with disability, a person with a different story than mine, um, you know, wants to step up. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to rally and support those people as well. It doesn't have to be, um, I think feminism in, in, from an activist standpoint doesn't mean that you're the first one to stand up <laughs> and run up to the soapbox and start shouting. Um, it really means that it's important to, to help others get up to that soapbox too and tell their story, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's, I think, a bigger part of it. I know, and this is a topic that um, 
there's a couple of things as I was, we were, as I was doing notes for this episode that I thought, Oh, that would make a great episode. That would make a great episode. Um, and one of the episodes that I'd like to do, I'd love to do discussing this topic. I'd love to try and get maybe an expert or even just a person, um, with differences of opinion, like Dr. Parker, um, but, you know, maybe some people from the LGBTQ community or um, other people who would like to speak on the topic. Nobody can speak for all of their group. And I totally get that. But just getting a voice from different perspectives. I would love to have those conversations. But one of the uh, thoughts that I was thinking about that would make a really cool episode were just um, the strong women that we know. and. Um, maybe a little interview on the strong and, and, you know, I'm willing to be inclusive (laughs) to everyone. (laughs) Um, I'm not trying to exclude anyone, but I'm just thinking about, I know some really rad strong women that I would love to interview from different backgrounds, different religions, different um, places, you know, that it would be really interesting to get little bits of perspective and get their getting dirty, growing strong story. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a thought. (laughs) I think when we have these difficult um, conversations, I want to leave you with uh, four questions that uh, Byron Katie uses a lot um, in her uh, method, the work. So, you know, if someone, if you find that you're triggered, right? So it's not always mm-hmm. nice, like, like we had Dr. Gail Parker taught us, right? 90% about us. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say, you know, this person hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. The first thing to say, ask yourself, is it true? Right. Right. And then can you absolutely know that it's true? And how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And who would you be without the thoughts? And your turnaround can be, I hurt my, it's me. I hurt my feelings. The Mm -hmm. other person, I hurt their feelings, right? I triggered them. Or the opposite, he did not hurt my feelings. And so really kind of maybe sitting with um, that process to to get down into some um, genuine self-inquiry. And how you turn it around to be true in the present moment of the situation. Nice. I really like that. That's really powerful too. Um, and and you know, takes some work to be able to do that in the in the heat of the moment. Um so I don't know. For me it would be stepping away and reflecting back after I said something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure. For sure. I, I think that's, I, that's how really we all begin, word. right? Yeah. I, I think that's how we all begin is the kind of that, oh, I should have said I would have, I should have, right? But, yeah. you know, if we're aware enough to go, well, that didn't really go how I wanted it to. And I got a little, you know, frustrated or pissy or whatever. And you yeah. can do that self-reaction. The more you do that, the more that you'll feel comfortable in it and you'll start pr- trying it out in the present moment. Right. Practicing at the moment. I, re- I really like that. I want to make sure that we get that in the notes. Um, my final thought as we wrap up, and you and I had this conversation just a couple of days ago, but you know, I was, I was again, listening to another podcast and um, uh, I don't remember which podcast, but it was Pete Holmes that was speaking. He was like, you know, we're bound to say something now there, you know, as woke as we think we are. <laughs> 
right now. <laughs> We're bound to be saying something right now that 10 years from now, we'll look back and realize that we weren't as woke as we thought we were. <laughs> but there'll be another step, another layer that could be peeled out, peeled back in being more accepting, more inclusive, more open, um, more loving, more kind, more compassionate in a bigger way. And so um, yeah, I, I, I think it's important that we're open to that too, that even, even when we think we're doing the right thing, um, there's still so much more to learn. Yeah, I love the quote by Brian Katie, the ego is strong, but not as strong as reality. And it will never survive the question, is it true? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, Courageitarians, this is a big episode for us, even though um, it seemed like just some conversation. Uh, we hope it starts some conversation with you. We would love to hear about your desire to have difficult conversations or maybe some difficult conversations that you've had. And moreover, as we start to close September, we will have been uh, at Where the Lotus Grows for a year and we'll be starting our second season. We'd love some suggestions if you like some of the ideas that we mentioned today about having difficult conversations or having some extra special guests on the podcast. If you have any suggestions or people that you want us to reach out to, let us know all things Where the Lotus Grows. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, where the lotus grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, where the lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.